Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, it's good to see you. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. This is uh, breaking news. I left the family for four days to go to Chicago. It, it was planned. It wasn't just abrupt. Welcome, everybody, to episode 84. Lots to discuss, but we're going to get into what is one of the most popular wine categories. Yep, exactly. These kind of wines I cannot keep on the shelves. And that's I mean, you said in your predictions, constant. right? Constant. Yes. It's just... It's where it's at right now. So it's a perfect time as Memorial Day approaches, the beginnings of summer approaches. We're thinking barbecues. We're talking about chillable red wines. Chillable reds. They're in the refrigerated section at Esther's. They're also on the shelf. You could really do either, but this wine is particularly good with a little chill on it. So what is it? What are we drinking tonight, Catherine? This is Weinreich. That's the name of the producer. And this is the Eiter Biesvolking. Excuse my German. What we do, we butcher things here. <laughs> Red wine from the Rhinesen in Germany, vintage 2019. Delicious chillable red, super fun label, and I can't wait to talk about it. I am excited to talk about this wine, this category. It's something that you've talked about in both of the past prediction episodes. You're obviously seeing it coming to fruition with how in demand it is. Couldn't be better timing with people thinking about barbecues, summertime. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. It really is the perfect barbecue wine. And like you you and I say, we don't always... You and I can drink white wines and sparkling by ourselves, and oftentimes we want to share red wines, but this feels like something we could maybe have as just the two of us. Definitely. It feels very light. and Yeah, when there's not a ton of tannin... I mean, that makes it great for a chillable red, and that also is great for us because we we don't love a whole lot of tannin if we're really like drinking a wine. If we're just tasting it, having a little bit, that's fine. But if we're going to drink a bottle of wine, it's nicer for us if it doesn't have a whole lot of tannin. Makes that morning easier. So we'll get into that in a minute, but first I want to report that I went to Chicago. Had a blast. Catherine is, we're sort of doing a tit for tat here because Catherine is going to Chicago and into Indiana in two weeks. So we tried to make it work where we would do the trip together with the three kids. That just sounded like We so both had too, too much crazy. stuff that we wanted to do. So <laughs> she single-parented for a few for four days. I'm going to do it for three days and do a podcast talking about how much harder that will be for me probably than her. Listen. What, what were your thoughts, Catherine? How many, how did you go? Did you have any wine while you were uh, oh, doing that? Oh, I did have to have some wine. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not, you know, it's not easy because you're just doing what you normally do, which is a lot, and then you're doing a little more on top of that. So, no, it's not easy, but it was doable. It was doable, like all of this parenting stuff, you know, some of it is you're savoring the moment. You're like, this is really special and I'm taking pictures of this or I love this phase of my child. And then some parenting moments you're like, and let's just move through this quickly. And that was the last four days for me. But I did it. And, you know, they slept and they ate and they went to school and I survived. I had two really rough nights and two okay nights. And of course, the night you came back, 
we had a great night last night. So that was nice. It, at least you were back and everyone slept well, uh, including myself. So that was good. I would say um, there were no gourmet dinners yes. while you were gone. No, it was like real quick and easy dinners and not a lot of crafts being made while you were gone. It was kind of the uh, let's just play a few board games and read some books and try to get some sleep. And I'll talk about Chicago more with my inspiration of the week, but uh, it's really the first time that I think either of us have been away, definitely with three kids. For sure with three, yeah. Maybe even with two. It just feels like I, it was a, a unique experience because I've not been away from kids because the pandemic has concentrated our families and most families so much because you have been able to travel that it felt very strange, but also, wait for it, wonderful. Oh, I bet it did. I mean, that was part of what made it like fine for me. You know what I'm like? This is hard, but I know it's really important for you. And I want you to have that for yourself. And we can get through it and we're going to be fine. Yeah. So we'll have a, a much different report, I'm sure, when I do it. But I really like Chicago. I, you have much more of a relationship to Chicago than I do. I've only been through Chicago for like a day, maybe one or two days, just traveling through, usually for the times I've driven cross country. So it's been four days up and down and even going to Indiana and, and, and southwestern Michigan. It was great. It was great to, to see that part of the country. Great to go see some theater in Chicago, see, go to Wrigley for the first time. All that stuff was amazing. You know, I love checking out local beers and I've had about 11 hot dogs this week. <laughs> I had I had two today. <laughs> One yesterday, and I had about seven or eight in Chicago. So this is the week I'll always remember as Hot Dog Week. Um, That's what Chicago's known for, I guess. So I mean, I guess someone was trying to tell me that. Obviously, deep dish pizza, but I was playing golf, and every you know, you every some. golf course that I had had like a turned <laughs> hot dog. So yeah, I'll do it. Why not? So anyway, I, I'm going to talk more about the inspiration because I was really impressed and inspired by things that happened in Chicago. But I want to riff off hot dogs because hot dogs are summer, and summer means chilling some beverages. Let's talk about some chillable red wines that could go well with hot dogs. Oh, absolutely. That's the idea. You know, like not just barbecue, like, you know, not just like ribs, not just barbecue. And, yeah. Like ribs and barbecue so sauce, 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 up, sauce yeah. but like just whatever you're cooking on the grill by your pool or on your porch or in your backyard. It's kind of like, this is what's great for grilled meats. And I I think that chilled red is such an important category, one, to exist, and two, for outside grilling, because so many people drink red wine. I mean, we say this all the time, but I will never forget like how many people drank red wine at our wedding and how fast it ran out. And it was like the hottest day. And also on the shelves at Esther's, like, Red just always goes no matter what season. So it's great to have a chillable red because folks that only want to drink red wine now have something that they can drink when it's hot outside. And as we've said before, the rules for what is chillable and what is not in terms of red wine, it's about tannic structure. If they're high, heavy tannins, don't chill it. It will just t attack your gums. It will not taste good. If it's really light, if there are low tannins, light tannins, it's great to be chilled. Could you also say that like, because you're not able to often see what tannin structure a wine has based on its label, but you can see the alcohol. And is there a relationship to that somehow? Like, um, Sometimes there is really a relationship to that. Lower alcohol reds be good for 
chilling. I mean, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it'd be good. And going by that, this at 11.5% alcohol definitely falls in that. I mean, you and I definitely love that. That's music yeah, to our ears. Totally. So I mean, 11.5% red mm-hmm. sounds like a, a huge winner. Well, you're going to learn something cool about this wine, although it is a chillable red, and you can see the super dark magenta in the glass. This wine is actually 50% white grapes. That's interesting. Yeah. So we're going to get into that, but it is a red wine. Okay. Like the red color in the red in no the one glass. No, it was fifty percent white. By looking at this, <laughs> no, but that's what's sort of fun and cool about it. And I interrupted you, but I really like where you're going with this because you're basically giving um, a checklist of what wines can be chillable. As right. Well. So you're thinking things in the Pinot Noir world, Pinot Noir, Gamay, sometimes z- some Zinfandel when it's on the lighter side and not oaky. So things with light tannins. Now, the grape has to have light tannins, but you also wouldn't want to have something super oaky. Oak can impart tannins and it also imparts kind of an oaky flavor sometimes, which might not be that great chill. Just kind of imagine it in your brain, like oak in a refrigerator. Not so good. So think of something like fresher. You can look for grape varieties. You can also ask whoever is in the store where you're shopping or the sommelier. Or if they're really with it and they're on the trend, they're going to have a whole section of chillable reds or go for the light reds. That is going to be good for you. And these can be chilled in a refrigerator or just like put on ice for a little bit. There's no rule, so to speak. But this to me is at the perfect temperature, this wine that we're drinking right now. And we took it out of the fridge, I don't know, maybe an hour ago. So it's cold, but it's not like as cold, maybe quite as cold as a white wine would be. But it's up to you. And if it's a really hot day, it should be colder. But the idea is that it's red and it's refreshing. So it's showing all those things that red wine lovers love. And you can still feel more texture and you can still feel a little bit of tannin in your mouth, but it's not overwhelming. And this wine is super unique. We have so many different chillable reds at Esther's and we're always looking for unique ones. But this, I just tasted this a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago and was so excited about it. So as I said before, the name of the wine is Weinreich. It's the Heiterbeesvolking, and it's from the Rheinhessen in Germany, vintage 2019. And I tasted this with the importer, Bear Wines, uh, Sebastian of Bear Wines, a few weeks ago, and was so excited about this producer. So it's two brothers, Mark and Jan Weinreich, and Mark and his wife, Nina, are really doing a lot for the winery. And Mark is on the face of the Instagram, and he's the winemaker, and so you'll see him there. And they're just, they're young, they took over from their parents, and they converted everything to organic. They're wanting to make natural wine and they have a whole line of wines, you know, with the like more traditional label their parents have. And then they have these fun wines that are in the more natural vibe movement where they're really going with the winery like this one. So Heiter Volking roughly translates to something like from joyful to cloudy. And it refers to the fact that this wine is made from white and red grapes. That's what I was explaining to you earlier. And the grapes are actually co-fermented. So they're not fermented separately and then blended, as we see with a lot of wines. These grapes are actually pulled in together and fermented together. So it's 50% Dornfelder and 50% Kerner. 
This is really cool. Dornfelder is a crossing. This is so cool. I'm just like getting into my nerd. I paint the picture nerd, here. She's nerd totally nerding out. Yeah. I, I, I had on to write these on the couch. I know. I book <laughs> hugged close to her side. What's that? I mean, it, it's, like, it's like you're getting to a good portion of like a cliffhanger. You just. When I'm excited about this because I was. I, I thought the wine was delicious when I tasted it. I love the label. I like the story of the young brothers and the and the couple making the wine becoming more natural. They're in the Rheinhessen. But then learning about this wine was just so interesting. So Dornfelder is the red grape variety. Okay, it's a dark skin variety. It's the second most planted in all of Germany. Light tannin, really floral. It's a crossing. So it's made in a lab by a guy by the name of August Harold. And it's a crossing of, get these, because you've heard of these before, Helfsteiner and Harold Rebe. Oh, yeah. And so oh, this- those two old... <laughs> banal it was so dornfelder was developed in the 1950s and then it wasn't like really planted until the late 70s but it's cool because and it is so planted now because it was it was developed for a cool climate like germany has it's easy to grow grow it's really disease resistant and it's versatile it's low tannin so you can make these light fresh wines or it takes well to oak so you can make like a, a more robust wine if you want to it has this really dark color like we see in the glass this like deep deep magenta and then it has these cherry black plum, blackberry notes, which we get in this wine. So it's really satisfying for a red wine drinker because it has those dark notes that you want from a darker red, but it doesn't have the tannin. It can be made in a fresher style and it's really easy to grow. So no wonder it was so popular, but it was a crossing, which was cool. So now the other grape that makes up this blend, other 50% is Kerner, which is also a crossing created by August Harold in the 1920s. And it's a crossing of Trollinger, which was actually a red wine, uh, otherwise known as Schiava Grossa or Vernach, and Riesling. Okay, so that's where you're getting that super aromatic component of this wine. But he developed this in the 1920s and it wasn't planted until the 1960s. It's not as widely planted as Dornfelder, but it's still planted a lot. People see tons of Kerner and you even see it in northern Italy. I, I love these names too. Dornfelder is named for a guy named... Emanuel Dornfeld, who founded Germany's first viticultural school in the 1800s. And Kerner is named for a poet and physician named Swabia, or Justinus Kerner, who wrote songs and poetry about wine. Anyway, these two grapes are so different. We have this really dark colored red, but light. And then we have a super aromatic white grape. Think in the Riesling world, you know, it is clearly a cousin of Riesling. They're both like made in a lab and here they come together and they're fermented. Now, co-fermentation used to be a thing that everybody did. You know, it was a, you just brought in all your grapes. Your grapes were probably a field blend. This is really back in the day. And everything was fermented together and then you just made a wine. When you have a white wine and a, a white grape and a red grape, the white grape can soften the tannin of the red wine, although this doesn't have a ton. I could get that. And really what happens is that the 
in this case, the aromatics just totally pop on this wine because you get all that blackberry, that black plum, that cherry, but you're also getting this kind of tropical thing from the Kerner. It's there's like guava and apricot and pear all mixed in together and then black pepper and something spicy and herbal too. On the bottle, it has some descriptor like arugula, which I don't know what I would pick that, but definitely the black pepper and all of those bright fruits. And yet it's still like a little bit tart. It's still a little bit crunchy. It's not jammy in any sense, but it has, it's so fruity and fresh. That was a super long explanation, but the nerd in me was going nuts about this. Just very excited. We want you all to nerd out before you go out to your barbecues and just, just enjoy the wine. Just, you know chill and kill it it could be this label is very interesting too do you have any info on this label well i only know what i said was like from joyful to cloudy so it is a picture of two people dancing with an umbrella with with traditional older eastern european slavic uh, attire Mm -hmm. looks like and then you see a wizard sort of like motioning at them like, what's going on over here? So from joyful to cloudy, I don't know, maybe he's bringing the clouds. Interesting. And it refers refers to like the idea of co-fermenting the grapes together. Yeah. There's also, these guys have a fantastic Instagram. I'll tag them in our post when we post about it. But they actually have a video of this fermentation happening and punching down. So you can see the red and white grapes together, which That's is cool. really cool. Yeah, we should put that on our Instagram story at the long finish on Instagram. This wine's delicious. And it, what's interesting is, you, like you mentioned, this tropical nose. It's interesting to think about a, a, a region like Germany being so perfect for barbecue wines no but it really works and 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 it's funny if you close your eyes and you put your nose in this wine you're like you would not guess that it's a red sometimes maybe on maybe i would there maybe i wouldn't there you know like i'm getting the cherry but then i'm like oh no it's all apricot right there it's just funny my question of the night is this so i was playing golf in chicago with some friends and one of the guys that we play with ordered a glass of Cabernet. We've talked about this before in the podcast, and he said that he really wasn't into white wine. I told him I'd just stick with me. I would change his mind. This feels like it could be a gateway from red into white, but what, what is what is the stipulation? Why, why do people seem to drink more red? Like it, it feels like there's just something, almost like a preconceived notion or something. I mean, this is delicious, but I'm just curious if you have thoughts as to why that is that some people drink red and well i think it probably depends on how you get started you know what you first are introduced to when you start drinking one maybe it has to do with the temperature maybe not everyone wants to have cold wine and you like having just a warming glass of red maybe it's the time that you're used to having red where it's like with a big dinner and you know yeah the pairing of the food makes a lot of you sense. know that might be something um, it's also that there are so many red wines that are kind of like, wow, this is a red to keep in your cellar and special. And so if people kind of latch on to that, maybe they're not thinking that white wine is can be so fabulous. You know, maybe they're just drinking a simple glass of white wine. They don't know how great white wine truly can be. 
and they think, oh, it's only red that's really ageable and special. Well, that's cool about this wine because I feel like this is going to please everyone at the barbecue, right? It's going to please people that normally drink white wines because it feels light and refreshing and has that sort of white nose that you that you discuss, but also appeals to the red wine drinkers and just have a little bit of chill. So it just feels like it really hits the middle of the Venn diagram. I, I met a gentleman at a charity event a couple weeks ago, and we were pour- it was a hot day. We were pouring a white wine, a rosé, and a chilled red. And he said, I'm not really a wine drinker. I drink mostly beer, but I'll, I will try something. I said, you know what? Try this chilled red because it's going to give you more flavor than the white wine in a sense. Like it will hit your mouth more. It's more imp- and it has more texture to it. So try this. He loved it. He was like, now I know what to order if I have to order wine. So I don't know. that It seemed like that was a better transition to him than beer. And he was really into it. The flavor thing makes a lot of sense too. I, I don't necessarily... I'm sure you and I wouldn't necessarily agree, but it makes complete sense with... Um, I don't think that way. Yeah. But if you're just starting out with yeah. wine... Maybe it just always feels like red has more flavor. And the truth is, there's just more compounds in the skin. You know, there's all those flavor compounds that are in the skin that you don't get with white wine. So we're talking flavor here. What food flavors go with this wine? I mean, I'm talking about any kind of grilled meats. This would be fantastic with a hamburger. It'd be great with any kind of, well, it'd be great with your hot dogs It'd be great with sausages. It would be great with, I don't, I was sort of picturing bacon too. (laughs) Um, Like a BLTA would be so good. Mm. Just outside stuff on the grill. And even if you're not doing meat, maybe something earthy like a mushroom is what they recommend here. Uh, There's some cute notes on the back label. They recommend um, mushrooms. And I was like, that's good. That'd be good because it is so like, punchy, fruity, and a little bit tart, it'd be great with like an earthy mushroom. So you could have a portobello burger with like cheese on top. This would be killer. Haven't mentioned this in a while, but what about bean stew? Oh, you know that'd be good with the bean stew. (laughs) Where can our listeners go and find this one? Well, that's a tough question. Mm. Um, You can find it in Los Angeles. It's very limited the production of Wine Reich is very limited, period. This particular bottle, for sure, you can get it at Esther's. Also, it's going out in our wine club this week. So if you're part of the wine club and you're the adventurer, you will be getting this wine. If you're not an adventurer, if you're a savvy sipper, just come in and buy it. That's actually a great point you mentioned earlier because Instagram is so fun. Maybe what you do is you follow them on Instagram you DM them and say, "Hey, I live here, wherever it is you live. Where can I find this wine? I want, you know, I heard the podcast. I'm a fan of your Instagram. How can I find you?" Yeah, I think it's so a great just idea. Just reach out to them. Any last thoughts on this wine or Chillable Reds in general? I know there's another episode of Chillable Reds we have. I guess one thing that I should mention, like I always do, they're certified organic, hand harvested native yeast fermentation, and this is aged in neutral oak, bottled, unfined, unfiltered, and no sulfur added, no SO2 added. This is in their natural line. So despite being natural wine, 
this doesn't taste like quote unquote funky in a sense. So this is a great intro to natural wine too. It's also a screw top wine. So if you wanted to take it down to the beach, put it on some ice. Ah, perfect. Enjoy that with your barbecue. Makes a lot of sense. Keeps it easy. Chillable Reds, as Catherine said, are super popular right now. We talk about it earlier in our show history on episode 30 with Chappie Trell. Talk chillable reds. That was in the pandemic, I think. During the pandemic, the, the, the first the first of pan- the pandemic, yeah. yeah. So check that out and go out and get yourself a chillable red to enjoy during this Memorial Day weekend or all summer long. This wine's awesome. It's a really it's a fun wine. I'm glad to to drink it to to end my culmination of my um bachelor week. So go out there and grab one for yourself. All right, Catherine. Now we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. I alluded to it earlier. I'm inspired by my trip to Chicago. Chicago is... I had a blast. I mean, Catherine and I would talk at night, and I said, do we want to move to Chicago? She said, ask me again when you're there in January. I said, okay, that makes sense. Maybe it's uh, not cold. (laughs) But um, I really just had so much fun. Even though I don't have a lot of ties personally to the city... I have a lot of friends there, and I just got to do some great things. And it was a great reminder of what life was like pre-pandemic, where you could, where I could go out and just have two or three days to see some friends, tap into the culture of a city, which I like to do more again in LA. Played a bunch of golf. Shout out to my friends and uh, the members I played with at Beverly Country Club, Butler National, and Lost Dunes in Michigan and Olympia Fields in southern parts of Chicago. Just had an amazing time. Ate a lot of hot dogs, got to see some friends, great great walks. Then I went to Wrigley Field, which is unbelievable. Really amazing experience at Wrigley Field. Everyone said it was going to be awesome. It was. And then on Tuesday, the, the first night I was there, I went to see a play. I went to see a play at Steppenwolf Theater, which yeah, for those of you who follow the theater world, um, started in a basement in the 70s by Gary Sinise and John Malkovich and... Lori Metcalf and Jeff Perry and a few others, and now it's become this huge thing. And I saw this first play in their new theater with my friend Eric Simonson, who wrote Magic Bird, was in performing in the show. And then just great to connect with people in all kinds of ways, and I think that was super fun. So excited to do more of that in L.A. with with you, Catherine, and hopefully we'll, uh, I don't know, hopefully we'll get out and just be more cultured. We've been bottled up for a couple years, so maybe we'll get back out there. And I want to say a special shout-out to my friend Chris Clark, who hosted me, college friend for 20 four or five years as i told him there you know didn't, didn't get sick of you we had, we had a great time being together all the time it was a lot of fun so good to see some friends inspired by the city of chicago can't wait to go back maybe i'll stuff myself in your suitcase when you go there in two weeks so Catherine, what do you have well for my week i'd like to thank seventh generation dish soap and nice. uh <laughs> not a sponsor of the show <laughs> Oh, it's really hard to say that. Guys, I've been just watching kids and doing dishes and doing laundry and just like in the grind. So here's the fun part. The next episode, our roles will have been reversed. And so we'll just have a nice comparison episode. I couldn't even listen to podcasts like because it was so intense. I was just like listening to you're going to laugh at me. But I was really just listening to Barry White and Fleetwood Mac on my drives, like just trying to get to my like, ah, place. <laughs> Good old Barry does so, it for you. Thank you, for Bar- thank you to Barry White. That's your inspiration of the week is Barry White. I love this. <laughs> you really just made me feel 
at home in my body and oh, happy. No. <laughs> what happened on those drives? <laughs> I, when I, <laughs> I got, you know, you're like packing three kids in the car to do the drop-offs and then the pickups. It's just, it's a lot of lifting. Hey, I do those every day. But you don't take the baby too, you know? Barry White, Fleetwood Mac, and I don't know, these tulips that I bought last week. Let's just keep it to basics here. People, I'm alive. No, really, my gratitude is, and my inspiration is you. Oh, boy. Happy to have you home. Hey, it's good to be back. I love you. I really think Barry White's your inspiration. (laughs) Just say it. Just admit it. (laughs) My first, my last, my everything. Was there one Barry White song that you listened to more than another? Can't get enough of your love, baby. Were you playing with the kids in the car? Was it uh, or was it your Calgon if you dropped the two kids no, off? No, I dropped. I was listening to Blaze you know, with them. Blaze and the Monster <laughs> Machines for those of you parents at home, which I could sing for you all, but I won't. But then once the kids were out of the car, I was playing "Can't Get Enough of Your Love." It's like an audio version of Calgon, right? Like when you get in the you sink into your tub. That's exactly Put what it was, white. except there was still a baby in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Wah. Yeah. Try to relax. Where's my passy? Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the thing to do this Memorial Day weekend is to barbecue, have fun with friends, and then relax with a nice bubble bath and a bottle of this red. While you're listening wine. to Barry White. While you listen that's to it. Barry White. There you go. That's it. All right, folks, that's it for episode 84 of The Long Finish. Episode 84 is in the books. Thanks to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. If you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to our show, it would mean a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? Find us on Instagram. I'm at Catherine Wild Coker, and The Long Finish is at The Long Finish. Check out our Instagram when this episode comes out, so we'll link you to the fabulous Instagram of his winemaker tonight and more info to come, so stay tuned for that. All right, we'll meet in a couple weeks for the next episode when you'll hear a full report on Catherine's trip to Chicago and my hosting. And hosting? I'm hosting three <laughs> kids that I that I that, that belong to me? Uh, anyway, yes, I'll be a full-time dad. Until then, everybody have a great week. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Have a great holiday. Be safe, be happy, and have a drink. Ciao.